This message was presented at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Okay, good morning. How's everybody this morning? Good, good. Let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, once more we want to give you thanks for giving us the opportunity to meet and to discuss uh, some issues that uh, we think are important, and we pray that uh, if they are indeed important to you, that you will make the weight of it a weighty matter for us too. We ask that your Holy Spirit will guide us in our, our conversations this morning, our presentation, and also that you will guide our thoughts and our decisions as we make decisions for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, everything is in the context of this big event that's going to be happening sometime soon. Soon and very soon, right? The main event, the big event. Now, let's see. I see some people who were here yesterday. I see some people who were not here yesterday. But that's okay. We'll, we'll, um, uh, the way it's, it's done, we have some uh, housekeeping that will kind of help to bring us uh, up to date. Okay? So let's move on. These are the topics that we'll be dealing with. We dealt with yesterday to catch the vision, acquire an aim. What would it take to do that? What would it take to aim high and spare no pains to reach God's mark? Uh, in this session, we'll be wanting to see through God's eyes. Okay. Now, here's a, a, a paraphrase of a very well-known text that you all uh, would recognize from Proverbs 3, 5 to 7. Trust in the Lord with everything that is in you. Everything that is in you. And don't rely simply on your own insight, however great you may think that insight is. Consciously let him strongly influence you in everything you think and do, and he will make the way clear for you to follow. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Hold the Lord in utter reverence and respect, and turn away from evil. Avoid it like the plague. Don't be wise in your own eyes. It is good for us to have a perspective on how God sees what's going on and how God sees the part that we play in this. Don't you think? Yesterday we were looking at, um, at the primacy of God's will and today uh, we'll just review the primacy of God's will. In Jesus' life, it was of prime importance, God's will, not only to know what it was, but also to do it. So what did he do? in order to know God's will for him every day. Anybody? He prayed. Yes, he spent hours in prayer asking God to direct his path for that day. Isn't that something? Now, if the Savior of the universe, <laughs> okay, could spend time in prayer asking God, asking his Father to direct his steps that day, don't you think that that would be a useful uh, exercise and enterprise and... Uh, <laughs> You know, I say useful, maybe it's just essential for us to do that, right? So that we will know God's will for that day. So uh, the, the suggestion here is that the primacy of God's will is in fact the prime issue, that we will know what God's will is and we would follow it, right? And if he expects us to do his will, he is going to give us all that it takes for us to be able to accomplish that. Isn't that right? Okay. The next, we need to know God and know His will for ourselves, for you, for yourself, and me, for myself. Why? Jesus says, to know God is eternal life. To know God is eternal life. The Bible speaks of Him, and, and it said, you know, you, you, you read the scriptures and you think in it, you find eternal life. But this eternal life that you'll find there, it speaks of whom? Of Jesus, right? So to know God and Christ Jesus whom he has sent. This is, uh, this is eternal life. So you don't want to make the mistake of, of flying the bicycle. Okay, you, you, those who weren't here yesterday, we had a little scenario 
of somebody trying... Uh, I don't want to repeat the whole thing, but <laughs> let's just say, you, you don't want to make this mistake of flying the bicycle to Miami when the purpose of the activity was also troubleshooting and perfection of the bicycle along the way, right? Uh, some people were asked to ride the bicycle, and what they did instead is they flew it down. It was cheaper, it was uh, more expedient, they had good, uh, good reasons to do that, but ultimately they failed in following the will of the CEO. And we don't want to end up at the end and have failed to follow the will of the CEO. So we need to know what God's will is, and we need to follow it, Right? Okay, we also talked about the necessity of being obedient to God's revealed will. Now, many times uh, in my own experience, and uh, we have three sons, and bringing up three sons, you know, we, we, have, we have questions. Uh, kids have questions. And uh, I'm an academician, so I've had students. I've had students, you know, at least a thousand students. And they all have questions, right? And um, I'm a physician and uh, an academic physician working in hospitals. And, you know, what, what I did most of my day was answering questions, right? Questions, questions, questions. Well, that's not a bad thing to answer questions. But then when we get an answer, if we know what God's will is, people ask, how do I know what God's will is? Well, there are different ways of being able to, to approach that. And we're going to be getting to some of that towards the end of our of our seminar, but uh, needless to say, uh, there are some things that we already can know about what God wants us to do, and I'll, I'll, uh, we'll be discussing that a little bit more, right? But once we know, then what? Right? Uh, sometimes people say, you know, don't ask um, a question that you don't want to know the answer to. I, I have had, especially when it comes to like the affairs of the heart, you know, uh, young people, uh, you know, this guy he likes this girl and da 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 da, right? And then he comes and he asks the question, "Doctor, you think, right? Well, she has already told you no. <laughs> what else is there to think about? <laughs> uh, um, let's just let's move on, you know." You, well, can you, can you mediate and, and kind of get, uh, see if, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, being obedient to, to, to God's will. You ask, you, you get an answer, and then you say, well, no, that must have been wrong. I, 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 I need something else. So, but why do we need to be obedient to God's will? Because uh, for many reasons, but I'm just going to list a few. It says, an act of respect and trust and faith, Okay. Uh, if God is going to tell us this is what we ought to do, uh, and we do it because we trust Him, uh, we respect Him, respect what He what He has to say, and uh, we have confidence that what He says is, is meaningful, right? So it's a matter of, of of respect and trust and faith. And to not obey, okay, is not just disobedience; it's actually lack of respect and lack of trust and lack of faith. You see? It's also a response to God's grace and his parenthood. You know, the, the, the Bible text, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay? You know, children who don't obey their parents will have a difficult time obeying God. Right? As a matter of fact, uh, the, the Bible is clear. This is the first commandment with a promise, right? Obey your parents, that your, your life, right, might be long. Okay? Uh, I, I don't know of anybody who has done a scientific study looking at the relationship between respect for their parents and longevity. But it would be an interesting study to, to, uh, to do because God says that it's a, it's a commandment with a promise that your days would be long. Right? So we look at all kinds of other things, you know, whether you smoke or you don't smoke, or whether you exercise or what you eat and whatnot. But wouldn't it, wouldn't it be interesting to, to look at that to see if people who, who honor and respect their, their parents actually live longer. That would be interesting. Anyway, so I believe, even without, the, without the, uh, the scientific evidence, I believe that if God says so, that that, that actually happens. So in, in response to God now as our heavenly daddy, our heavenly dad, if he's going to tell us uh, something, if, we, if he reveals his will to us, then it just, 
It just makes sense. If we, if we obey our parents or earthly parents, then why would we obey our Heavenly Father? Right? So it, it's, a, it's also a response to God's gracious uh, uh, parenting. Okay? It's also an act of love for our Father. You know, uh, Jesus said, love me, what? Keep my commandments. We can translate that another way. If you love me, obey me. Okay? Uh, um, I mean, he has, he has authority even to say that. So, if you love me, obey me. If you, that's one of the ways you can show your love for somebody or, for, in this case, for Jesus or for God. So, once we get to understand what God's will is, then this is something that we ought to do. So, uh, here's a diagram that uh, kind of exposes, this is, I, I, this is my diagram, all right? So, uh, it may not be fully theologically correct or whatnot, but, but it, it illustrates a point. If we were to be thinking about God's will for us, Okay. we can uh, somewhat uh, divide it into, into three parts, at least three parts. Okay? One part is the part that God deals with us as a disciple. And God has a will for his disciples. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Okay, we're going to have some, some interaction pretty soon. Right now you're still waking up, I think. Okay? But... As a disciple, there are things that, that God calls us to do. Disciples do certain things relating to the fact that they are a disciple of somebody. All right? Then, you know, I, I strongly believe, and I will uh, try to prove that point, that as an Adventist, God calls us to something uh, different beyond being a disciple. Okay? Beyond being a disciple. And then... God has a specific thing, a specific will for each of us because of who we are, where we are, what we are, right? So God's will is not just, uh, as I'm trying to, to, to point out, it's not just a, uh, a monolith, okay? It has layers, okay? So if, here's the point, so if you don't know exactly what God's specific will is for you, don't say you don't know what God's will is. Because you still know what God's will is for you as a Seventh-day Adventist. True or false? And if you don't really know that, if you're, you're a new Christian, a new disciple, right, then you should be knowing what God's will is for you as a disciple, right? So if you can't get to the center, (laughs) there are other layers, and you will still be within God's divine will, God's divine purpose. Is that right? Okay? So don't be dismayed if, if so far you don't know what that central core is, that the one that's specifically talking about you, but you know a lot about what God is calling you to do because you are a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, right? Okay, so now, with the person next to you, okay, decide. When Jesus invites us to come fish for people with me, which one of those three areas is he talking about? Is he talking about a disciple? Is he talking about an Adventist? Is he talking about a specific call to you? Go ahead. Talk to the person next to you. I have one minute. So what do you think? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, you don't think he calls Adventists to come and fish with him? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. You don't think that he might be asking you specifically to do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh-huh. It's not the Okay. Yeah, that's where I, that's where I put it too. <laughs> Okay. All right. Good. Who would like to who would like to share? Who would like to share? Somebody. I can volunteer you if you wish. Okay, here we have a volunteer. 
Um, my initial thought was it would be the outer layer, the disciple, because uh-huh. he told his disciples to be fishers of men. Uh-huh. But I could also see it being uh, specific because there are evangelists that what they do day in and day out is specifically fish for people. Uh-huh. So it could be uh-huh. either one. All right. Uh, need, well, I'll, I'll come back to that. Okay. Next person. She had um, we concluded that it would be disciple uh-huh. um, because it can be um, Adventist because as a disciple, he's telling everybody, uh-huh. every person who believes in the name of Jesus Christ should go and bring others in, uh-huh. right, fish. And it can be specific because then he'll give you the method of how to do it specifically for you and your talent, uh-huh. your personality. Uh-huh. All right. Thank you for that. We have another hand here. Um, mine, I was going to say that uh, we are the disciples. Uh-huh. So, yes, the disciples. So, we are called to be fishers uh-huh. of us. So, yes. So, everybody is a disciple. Yes, everybody because, in this room. Because we have been called, especially we Advent, Seventh-day Adventists. Uh-huh. Yes. So, we have a calling that God has. All right. Did I see a couple of hands more? Thank you. I think on a certain level, it's all three because uh-huh. we are to meet people wherever they are. Uh-huh. All right. Thank you. Well, you know, this is, uh, of course, it, it's a made-up thing, okay, just to, to, to help us to think and to clarify our thoughts, okay? Uh, if you are who you are, a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, then you are a disciple, and uh, as someone said, maybe, maybe this is God's call to you, to be a specific uh, fisher okay, of men. Maybe that's your job. That's going to be your job of fishing men. Maybe you're going to be an evangelist. Or maybe you're going to be uh, somebody who this is, this is the, uh, the orientation of your life. Uh, he certainly called uh, Seventh-day Adventists to be fishers of men because Seventh-day Adventists are disciples too. But in this uh, kind of, of approach of trying to separate things out, it falls in the category of disciples because he calls every disciple, everyone, to be a fisher of men. He calls us as disciples and also to disciple others. Okay. Now, very interestingly, it, uh, we have not paid as much attention to this as we probably should have. Sometimes, uh, as, as I read different things, I see people talking about fishing and uh, you know, we have, we've developed a whole, a whole uh, kind of uh, theology of, of fishing, all right? So we have uh, fishiometry, okay? <laughs> and, and fishology, right? And uh, th- there's some things about the economics of, uh, of, of, this, of fishing, right? So fishonomics, Okay. And uh, if, you know, we make it a clinical kind of experience, then it's fishiatrics, okay? So we study all of these things and we can get PhDs in them. But the question is, are we fishing? Jacob, are we fishing? (laughs) You know, so we come to GYC, right? And we have a good time, right? And we meet a lot of people, right? And we get inspired, right? And we go home and we fish, right? No. We go home and we talk about fishing. You see what I'm saying? Right? God is calling us to fish. Amen? Let me say that. Well, let me, let me not say God is calling us to fish. God is calling me to fish. Can you say that? Okay, I thought you were going to say God is calling you to fish. <laughs> Yeah, God is calling me to fish. And therefore, we, we established before that he wants us to be obedient to his will. Is that right? You, you got that, right? Okay. And we know his will is for us to fish. Therefore, God is calling us to fish. Good. So don't say you don't know what God's will is. He is calling you, he's calling me to fish. Right? Now... Fishing. You can fish with a line and a bait, right? 
or you can fish with a net. Now, how did they fish back in Jesus' time? You remember? With nets. You know, that's a, that's a very interesting uh, thing. As I, I've, I've looked at that and tried to understand what's going on. When you fish with a net, who gets into the net? Everybody. Thank you, Ricky. Everybody gets into the net, right? When you fish with a line, you're trying to fish for a particular kind of fish, right? Usually, you know, the guys, the, the anglers, they know you put this kind of bait for that kind of fish, right? And certain fish don't go after worms, they go after flies. And certain fish go after flies and they don't go after worms and you know, all of those kinds of things. So, but in those days, they cast the net, okay? And they would take all comers. So who are we supposed to be targeting in our fishing? Oh, you guys are good. You guys are good. Uh, every what? Everybody. Every race, every creed, every tongue, every language. doesn't matter, right? With the fish for all, okay? But now, God gives us certain gifts that may cause us to be able to fish in a particular line, right? And one of the lines that he's given us is professional lines, okay? And uh, for health professionals, he's given us a particular set of things, a set of tools, okay, to be able to be used. And this is part of our fishing. Fishing equipment. So, some of you who are right now in a professional school, when somebody asks, what are you doing? You say, I'm in fishing school. <laughs> because you're getting a toolkit, right, of being able to fish. You know, it, it, depending on how you look at this, we can look at, uh, at being a Christian and a Christian what? Give me somebody. Uh, Ma'am, do you have a profession? What's your profession? Land development. Okay. So she's a real estate land developer, right? So now, I'm going to ask, is she a Christian land developer, or is she a land developer Christian? She's a Christian first, and then she's a land developer. They're talking about you. I want to suggest that you consider this very carefully. In English, we use the adjective first and we use the noun afterwards, right? So we say a yellow book, right? And the book is the thing and the yellow is just telling something about it, right? Okay, so if she's a Christian land developer, she is a land developer and the Christian is just telling us something about it, right? Now let's reverse that and see what happens. If she's a land developer Christian... What is the most important thing? She's a Christian. And land developer is just describing what kind of, of fishing equipment she's using. Are you hearing me? So you are a land developing Christian. <laughs> okay. uh, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Okay. Uh, now, of course, this is, you don't have to, to deal with the grammatics of this. But, 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 but think about it. Think about it. What is the noun and what's the adjective? The noun actually is saying what the thing is or who the thing is. And we should have the primacy of being followers of Christ. That's who we are. That's where we should have our, our identities. Not in the profession that we have, except when we say, what is your profession? That means what do you profess? And what do you profess? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Isn't that right? No, we say, I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, I'm a land developer. <laughs> right? Right? Think about it. We even use language that betrays our understanding of what we're called to be. Think about that. Okay, so now let's, let's use another one. 
Here's another invitation by Jesus. Give a solemn warning of urgency to prepare the people to meet our Savior in peace. Talk to the person next to you and see where that fits. Where on this diagram would that fit? Go back to... That's a statement. So what do you think? <laughs> what do you guys think? Uh-huh. Really? Hmm. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Chatter dying down. Okay, so uh, let's see. Who, who would like to, to share first? Don't all raise your hands at the same time. Okay, we have somebody here. We have two people here. Yes, um, sir. I'd say uh, this uh, quote would go under Adventist. Adventist. Yes. So he's voting for Adventist. Yes, that's my vote. <laughs> Okay, why would you say that? Just, just, uh, uh, what, what did you, you guys discuss? Because the two words, warning and urgency. Ah, warning and urgency. Yeah. So you, you, you see this as somehow uh, linked to some end time activity, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. All right, thank you. Thank you. We had a hand here. Um, we were thinking the same thing that it would fit more into Adventist because it's like he said at the forefront of our of our message. Uh-huh. It's what the part what the great controversy is all about. Mm-hmm. You know, getting ready for the end time and the things that are going to come and and get everybody to know Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you. Behind. We said that it would fit into all three, but as you move in from the outer circle into the inner circle, your message becomes more pointed uh-huh, into what uh-huh. you're teaching. If you can't go and tell the Adventist message necessarily, some of the some of the teachings to somebody who doesn't know anything, you can start off, you know, slower, so discipleship and then eventually Adventist and then specific to that person. Okay, thank you for that. All right. Anybody else? Yes, we have somebody up here. Okay, specific no. Adventist, yes. <laughs> Disciple, yes. Okay. Uh, we are Seventh-day Adventists. We have been blessed with the Advent message and the three angels' message to take it out to the world. So I would say the second and the third, it really identified with us. With us. Okay. Thank you very much. Now, uh, do, you, do you believe that uh, Seventh-day Adventists have, have been raised for any special purpose? Let me ask that. Yes. Yeah? You think so? Okay. Now, does that mean, just be clear, just be clear, does that mean that we're better than other denominations necessarily? No. No, I'm seeing all the heads going, no, 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 no. no. Huh. Does that mean that what we ought to be doing is uh, uh, fleecing the other denominations and getting their Christians to become Seventh-day Adventists? Is that, is that what it really means? Uh, I see, okay, some... Not really, not really. So what, what are we called to do as Seventh-day Adventists? To warn. Now, you know, warn. I, I, let, let's start with warn. Let's start with warn. Do people like warners? <laughs> Only when a hurricane is coming, right? Um, yeah, you know, it, that's not a popular position to take, right? To be a warner, right? Um, 
So, so it's, it's easy for people to shrink away from, from that, uh, that idea that, we, that, that we're supposed to be warning. We have a warning message. Now, where do we find this warning message, by the way? Revelation 14. Okay, okay. I, I, I see some people here are awake. <laughs> Revelation 14. We have, we have a warning message to give. Okay? And you said that we also have to prepare people. To prepare people. Huh. Okay. Now, in the preparing of people, it usually means that they have to change in some way, right? Right? Okay. Do most people like to be changed? No. No. So, do you like to be a change agent? Yes. <laughs> yes or no? You know what's interesting is the research done on this generation says that uh, millennials want to be change agents. They want to make an impact. How many of you want to make an impact? We did this yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're going to make an impact, it means that you're going to have to change something. It means that you're going to be telling people, you're going to be showing people, you're going to be developing things, innovating things that will mean change. And most people resist change. That's the, the crux of the matter. So we have uh, a very important position. Uh, not an enviable one by the world standards, but an enviable one because we have, uh, we have a message that the angels <laughs> would love to be able to carry. Huh? But it doesn't make us better than other people. It just makes us different, and we're going to develop that in a little, in a little while. Okay, so we, this, is, this is part of the seventh day, at the purpose for God raising up the Seventh-day Adventist church. Okay? To be a prophetic movement of warning for the end time. And we're living in the end time. So, we need to be fishing... And we need to be warning and with a certain urgency. So when you leave GYC, don't just go home and talk about what a good time you had. Okay? Now I know that the typical thing, especially like, you know, we have, we have, some, we have some, you know, wonderful uh, preachers and sermons and whatnot. I... I now, I like to give a good sermon, okay? This is not a sermon, by the way, but I, I like to give a good sermon. And I enjoy uh, sharing some of the things that, uh, that I find in my, in my reading and, and how God opens my mind to see something. I, I, I enjoy this. I enjoy this. But you know, I have a hard time thinking that when Jesus spoke, that people after he spoke would go up and say, Man, that was a good sermon, Jesus. I don't think anybody did that. I think when Jesus spoke, people realized the, the depth and the weight of what he was talking about. And they were either moved or mad. <laughs> yeah? The Pharisees and the scribes, they were mad. And the people usually were moved, right? And they would say things like, never has a man spoken like this, right? So think about it. After the dust settles from GYC, it's not just about having had a good time and good sermons and, and good workshops and, and it, it was enjoy it should be enjoyable okay all right i'm not saying it's, it shouldn't be but if that's all that remains then we have lost something these activities this entire event is actually to call you and call me to do something that we maybe have been neglecting or to do something different. To do something better that we were doing before. Than we were doing. So this is it. We're called 
to give a solemn warning of urgency to prepare the people to meet our Savior in peace. So don't say you don't know what God's will is for you. If you just know those two things, you already have a a running start. Okay? So what would it take for us to see through God's eyes? I found this and I really liked it, so I put it in. (laughs) Isn't it cool? Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, to see through God's eyes, it means that we need to see clearly what He is seeing. Now, here's what Ellen White says. He who knows the depths of the world's misery and despair knows by what means to bring relief. He sees on every hand souls in darkness bowed down with sin and sorrow and pain. The burden of labor for these needy ones in the rough places of the earth Christ lays upon those who can feel for the ignorant and for such as are out of the way. He will be present to help those whose hearts are susceptible to pity, and that's you and me. Though their hands, our hands, may be rough and unskilled. God sees the world to be saved. He sees the pain and the suffering and the sorrow needlessly. Now, those of you who are involved in healthcare, you know what it's like. You see it every day. Even if you're a dermatologist, there's some people who are itching and they can't stop. <laughs> right? I, I, can you imagine itching all the time? You can't stop. See it. Sometimes we even see it so often. We see it as if it's normal. And we get accustomed to seeing pain and suffering and sorrow. And we treat it lightly. But that's not how God sees it. He sees the, the despair in people, the anguish that they go through. And he lays on us a burden if we have soft, tender hearts. The kinds of hearts that should be like his. So there's a work to be done. When we see the world through his eyes, we need to be part of Christ's relief team for the souls in darkness. Amen? We're his relief team. So we walk out of here and we see somebody who is hurting. Don't just look around to see who else can help. (laughs) There might be others who can help, but guess who he's calling? Me. You. If we're there. Now we had a very interesting... Would you you mind sharing this? We had a very interesting situation that happened yesterday. Uh, We were talking about some of this and something happened. <laughs> so um, yesterday I went to Phoenicia Foods and I had just paid for my food and I had sat down and I could tell this guy's probably homeless. His face was just beet red and he looked like he was about to cry. I was uh, caught off guard a little bit because of how he like approached me. He looked like he wanted to take something um, and I just kind of sat there and then one of the... Um, Delhi people came up and said, ma'am, is he bothering you? And I said, he's okay. I think he's just probably begging or is probably homeless. And before I could say anything else, he took the guy, uh, started to take the guy outside. And and when I realized what he was doing, I knew then that I just needed to go and, and help the guy. And I've done it before, but lately with life, I've only kind of thought about myself and the stress. But... I knew that it was no coincidence, and so I grabbed my purse, I left my stuff at the table, and I literally followed him outside, and he was walking quick, so I had to run up to catch him, but I followed him, and I gave him some money. Mm -hmm. Now, we had talked about that right here yesterday, (laughs) 
And so I was at the same place, and as I was coming out, she said, you won't believe what happened. <laughs> uh, no coincidence, right? No coincidence. Labor for the needy ones in the rough places of the earth. Serve those in misery and despair. Serve all who are bowed down with sin and sorrow and pain. You know, I, I used to tell my residents, I'm tired of signing death certificates. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of having people in the intensive care unit with tubes coming out of every orifice and we make some new holes just to put some tubes in. Now, I don't practice medicine anymore, but I still visit hospitals. And sometimes we glory in these nice, big, beautiful buildings. We say, you know, we have a brand new hospital. And we have all the state-of-the-art stuff, right? And we want to have more patients. But what does more patients mean? More sickness, more death, more suffering. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I believe that hospitals are, are places of relief. Okay? Today, people go to the hospital to get better. There was a time when that wasn't so. People went to the hospital to die. But still, it seems... You know, so we just have bigger and bigger and bigger hospitals. It's like having you know, bigger and bigger and better jails. Right? We have a fantastic jail system. <laughs> Why would a country boast about that? You, know? <laughs> you, you understand what I'm trying to say? right? God is calling us to be pain relievers. Hmm? Suffering relievers. Like Dr. Dunlop, who was a friend of people. Uh, yesterday I started to give the story of Dr. Dr. Dunlop, who, who left Scotland as a new Seventh-day Adventist around your age. And he was trying to decide what to do. And he got the call to go to the Caribbean. So he went to a Caribbean island, far away from Scotland, <laughs> speaking a foreign language. Scottish is a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> and working with the people, and, and he befriended people. He was a nice man, okay? And he befriended a couple, a young couple, uh, not of you know, great means, who, because of their friendship, when it was time for them to deliver uh, their last child, they didn't know it was going to be their last child, but when they delivered their last child, he was the one who, who was the deliverer, you know? He was the receiver, okay? He caught this, this child. And uh, had, the, the couple had had girls before, right? And they were hoping for a? You guys knew. You know the story. <laughs> they were hoping for a boy, okay? And lo and behold, this child was a boy. But, but Dr. Dunlop didn't say this is a boy. When he was asked about the baby, he said, he's one of us. He's one of us. Now, what does that mean, he's one of us? Well, the dad didn't think just a boy. He thought, he's going to be a doctor. <laughs> he's one of us, he's, going to, he's a doctor. Examining it, well, he's one of us. He's a boy. He's going to be a doctor. He's going to be a Christian, a Seventh-day Adventist. He's one of us. What else? You know, what, he was not just a Seventh-day Adventist. He was a Seventh-day Adventist missionary in a foreign land. So he's one of us. He's a missionary. right? He didn't know that he was being prophetic. As a matter of fact, as I told you yesterday, if you remember, but I remember, <laughs> this couple never accepted 
the Seventh-day Adventist message or anything like that while Dr. Dunlop worked with them. But I know the story. I know the story very well. Because the boy that was born was me. <laughs> and I remember my parents telling me this story. And when I was going to be going away as a missionary, and at the university church in Loma Linda, when they were laying hands on us, it vividly came to my recollection. He's one of us. Yes, I'm a boy, all right? <laughs> By this time, I was a physician. I was a Seventh-day Adventist missionary. Dunlop never knew. There are things that we're going to be doing as servants of the Most High God. We will not see the fruit in this life. Only heaven, only heaven will be the place where we will find out the fruit of our labor. But we shouldn't be despairing because we are called to be relief agents. When we see things through Christ's eyes, this is how he sees us. We're his hands. We're his eyes. We're his ears. We become, for him, deliverers. We deliver to him. God sees me, he sees you as his child. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We are children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God, God himself. We are no longer on death row. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 We are no longer on death row. God has plucked us from death row. And he's calling us to rescue people who are on death row right now. Think about it. How will they know unless somebody tells them? Unless somebody is close to them? How will they know? Because God uses us as part of the process. Our hearts need to get broken. This is part of the process. It's not just by angels and by stones and by donkeys. He'll deliver people. No, we are part of the process. And we are changed in the process of being rescue agents. We talked about the reality of God's call to you and to me personally. He's making not just an appeal to the church. You know, sometimes in church we, we say, uh, well, if you right, you know, the, the, the words and whatnot, and then everybody stands up. I don't know about you, but do you ever feel sometimes, well, why am I going to be standing up? I shouldn't. But you probably stand up anyway because, you know, you look strange if you don't stand up, right? <laughs> Now, I've worked in, in schools, in universities, and I know, I know. And I've heard people stand up and they say, what are we standing up for? <laughs> Is everybody standing up so they stand up too, right? <laughs> uh, but God is not calling us to stand up with the crowd. He's calling us to stand up individually. He's making an individual call to each of us. We have a responsibility, the ability to respond and to act individually, even though he's calling the church and he has created the church. He is calling us as individuals in that church, right? We can't just give off of our, our, our responsibility and say, well, the church will take care of it. Any more than we should say, we're just going to not worry about things in the country. The government will take care of it. No, 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 it's not like that at all. 
God is calling us to a personal responsibility. The provision that God makes uh, uh, corporately. He does give provision corporately for all of us. We talked about the scope of practice as a medical missionary. There is something for everyone to do. Everyone. It is not an exclusive club. Everyone can be a medical missionary when you understand what medical missionary work is. And we'll, we'll get back to that in a few seconds. The implantation of special desires for development of the highest order. We may be called to the courts of kings. God places that in us. And for some of us, he's calling us to be in the most elevated places in the world, in the country, in corporations to be able to reach people who otherwise would not be reached. Because after all, the noun for us is Christian. And that means fishers. We're fishers. We're disciple makers. The call to serve even the unlovely and the disgusting. Yeah, that's what he's calling us to. (laughs) And sometimes it is disgusting. But it doesn't lessen the call. It just makes it more urgent, more poignant. The highest calling may be the basest service. Yeah. We also talked about the sufficiency of his grace because his biddings are enabling. He's not going to call you, he's not going to call me to do something and then leave us stranded. No, no. He's going to give us the tools. He's going to give us the wherewithal. He's going to make the way out of no way for us to be able to do it. Because if he's calling us, he knows how to get it done. Right? And of course, the essential nature of love in every transaction. When we act, we talked about this yesterday. We compared what was going on in Matthew 7 with Matthew 25. Who wants, at the end of it all, to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Nobody wants to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't, want, I, I don't want that to be said about anybody that I know. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even seem right for me to want to hear it for anybody even I don't know. That after they've, they've done all of these things, that it means nothing. Oh, what God is, is, is requiring of us, He's calling us to give us our hearts, give, us, give Him our all, so that He can... He can work and He can know us and He can vouch for us at the end because of our love. So, now, here's our exercise as we wrap up this session. What would the world look like if we all were faithful to the call of God on our lives? What would the world look like? I want you to think about that. If we're all, in this room, if we all were faithful to what God is calling us to do, to be fishers, to be disciples, to give an urgent call, right? What would it look like? Now that's what you're going to think about personally. But now I'm going to give you something else. What would your neck of the woods, oh, what would your neck of the woods be, how would it be different if you were completely faithful to the call of God on your life based on the things that we just studied? And I want you to write down or capture on your digital device Three concrete things or ways your world will be different. So take some time and do that now. You have two minutes. Please, work by yourselves. Okay. Is that going all right? All right. Now I'm going to ask you to do something that's even harder. You know, it's one thing to share with somebody who you may not know very well because you may never see them again. Now I'm going to ask you to do something. Send this to a person of importance in your life. Oh no, that's what she says. Oh no. Now I have an asterisk next to that because you, you, you may be thinking... Okay, who, who, how? No, 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 no way. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We know that when people have 
an accountability partner, they do better at what they're committing to. So I'm not trying to force you. I'm not trying to coerce you into doing this. But if you really want to put some teeth into this, you have thought about it, you've prayed about it, I'm sure, as you were doing it. Yes, you've written it down, that reinforces it. You've said it now to somebody else. Okay, Now share it with somebody who counts. Yeah. Now that's pretty scary. Because it means that that person, when they see you doing something that's deviant from what you have purposed in your heart, they may remind you of it. Thank God. <laughs> so put in a reminder system. Yes, ma'am. Sure. Uh huh. We dropped off to do the mission, and I was thinking, okay, as we were going, and nobody wanted to open their doors and things like that, uh-huh. and um, as a matter of fact, telling us to get away, I was thinking, God, in 2018, there has to be a different method. I mean, we in that change you were talking about, um, we fish, but sometimes the method in which we do so is archaic. Uh-huh. It's, it's ancient. It's like, no, it's not up with the times. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so how do, you, how do you know how to fish? So that it is making an impact. And it's not just something you're doing. Because right. that was, to me, became just something I was doing. And I was out there, door slammed in my face, and there was nothing happening. And I wasn't witnessing to anybody. Uh-huh. But yet, I need it. The urgency is there. Okay. We're going to have threads of this going all the way to the end of our seminar. So it means that you need to be around for all of them from here on. <laughs> okay? Yeah, yeah. That's how, that's how it's going. All right. Uh, that, that wasn't an, uh, an artificial plug, by the way. It's just, just how it is. <laughs> All right, natural plug, natural plug. Okay. So now, the last question. What would it take for you to do these three things? What would it take? You have ideas... You've written them down. You've communicated it to people. So now what will it take? If you're like me, you're probably tired of sin. Anybody here like me? So what will it take? Let's pray. Father in heaven, you know that the spirit might be willing, but the flesh is so weak. You know that we make uh, resolutions, and, and especially as the new year is coming, we make all, some of us may have made resolutions in the past. 24 hours don't pass and we're back where we were before. Our promises are like ropes of sand. No substance. But yet, you call us to commit. And you have the way of being able to give us the power to hold fast to the end. Lord, we want that power. We want it in our own lives. We want to be able to share this with others. Time is short. Please give us what we need to do what it takes for us to be confirmed fishers 
who carry a special message to a suffering, hurting, dying world. We thank you for hearing our prayer and for answering it already. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was recorded at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.